0: Before we get started with today's show let me invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the real Tavis Smiley and get updates on X that's formerly Twitter at TavisSmiley. by the way should you miss any part of today's program or want to catch up on previous shows you can always visit the Tavis Smiley that's the Tavis Smiley or wherever you get your podcast and listen to the podcast version of this live program. Uh, at your leisure another great show on tap for you today in our second hour we'll talk politics with pollster and political consultant joshua Doss. we'll meet joshua today at the intersection of the presidential race economic anxiety and specifically african-american voters and that is quite an intersection trust and believe in our third hour two conversations up first got a minute chef got no use for no dirty postcards Vic. get off my back huh just want to talk to you. Call me up. You know my
1: number. Come on, now, I'll buy you a cup of coffee, huh? You gonna know, sit in the park a minute? Hell no. Just tell me what you got to say right here. Uh, Tom, why don't you go get us a couple of cigars?
0: What kind smoke, Shaft?
1: Just say what you got to say, big, huh? Get us a couple of Hel Garcia's, huh, Tom? So
0: here's the question: Did black exploitation—that was Shaft, of course. You, you fans know that. I need to tell you that smart audience. <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of those to play when we get to uh, our three. I got some Foxy Brown. I got, I got lots of stuff for you. The question though is: uh, Did black exploitation liberate or limit black narratives? Film critic Obi Henderson dissects the electrifying power and problematic legacy of black exploitation cinema, if I can say it, in his groundbreaking book *Black Caesars and Foxy Cleopatra: A History of Black Exploitation Cinema*. Uh, we'll do that at the top of our three with film critic Obi Henderson on the B side of our three. Can a musical masterpiece born a hundred years ago still speak to today's America? Laura Downs answers that question with a vibrant reinvention of Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. She recolors it for 21st century America, weaving a century of immigrant voices into its iconic notes. So we'll uh, we'll do arts today in our third hour. We commence today's show, though, in dialogue with one of our nation's premier presidential historians who can help us wrestle with these historic times and find both the current and former president, At center stage, we will also talk about his latest text Silent Spring Revolution, John F. Kennedy, Rachel Carson, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, and the Great Environmental Awakening. The timing for that conversation couldn't be more propitious given what we're doing here uh, around the issue of environmental justice. Uh, But I am pleased to welcome to this studio, it's been far too long, uh, the preeminent American presidential historian Douglas Brinkley. Uh, Douglas Brinkley, good to see you, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year!
1: Happy New Year
0: to you, Tavis. It's wonderful to be here with you. It's good to see you in person, man. Good to hear your voice. And uh, thank you for this hour uh, to talk to someone of your stature about Uh, these issues at this particular moment. So before I go specific, uh, what are you making? (laughs) How are you reading uh, this moment in American politics?
1: Well, when you told me this is what we'd be talking about, Tavis, we both started laughing because it's just dysfunction junction out yeah. there. I mean, every day it's more surreal than the last. There used to be in the 1960s, a lot of these call it, uh, you know, dark humor, but it was people like uh, Terry Southern who did mm. Dr. Strangelove or Kurt Vonnegut. And uh, these guys, man, those guys couldn't make this stuff up. <laughs> Nobody can make this stuff up. Uh, the real takeaway is um, that a lot of young people, young listeners, aren't really happy with their choices of mm-hmm. Biden or Trump. Part of it is feels, what about us? We're mm-hmm. Generation Z. And by the way, Generation X never had a president, meaning somebody born after, you know, 1965. Mm-hmm. So there's a feeling, why are we, we you know, going back to um, Biden-Trump? Not a lot of enthusiasm there. Um, I think Biden's got a, a, a good record in many ways in the economy. And I think he's, I believe at this moment, he's going to win. It's a, it's a sort of steady Eddie approach to things. Mm-hmm. It's not a, uh, it's not vigorous uh, robust leadership in a way where oratory matters I mean nobody's ever accused Biden of being FDR or mm-hmm. Barack Obama you know uh, but um, you know we'll see he is though besieged by the uh, uh, Israel and Gaza problems in the Ukraine now dealings in the Middle East. We don't know where things are gonna escalate. Mm -hmm. Um, So the good news for Biden is the economy. Uh, Bad news is, it seems like a long four years that he's been in. It's a tiring effect trump I mean i can't how do you deal with somebody who has ninety one and you know uh indictments on him? How do you deal with somebody whose uh, lies constantly defames people, belittles people uh he is not a president he, he is more like a, a gangster mm-hmm. um, in the sense of al Capone or kind of an old style, uh, here's how I'm making the money and nobody's going to know where I'm moving it and I'm above the law approach. Um, His base is solid, but I don't know where he grows the base. Mm -hmm. He's going to try to with black men uh, who are disappointed in Biden or just aren't going to come out to vote for Biden, but they're energized maybe by Trump. But I end my little wrap by saying, keep an eye on these third-party candidates as potential spoilers.
0: Hold that thought. I want to come to that issue. Uh, Cornell West was just here not long ago. Uh, Dean Phillips is on the way. RFK is on the way. Uh, we've talked to Marianne Williamson. So I want to talk about those third-party spoilers, yeah. as you called it, in just a moment. And to your point about the Middle East, um, we now know that those three American soldiers uh, who were killed uh, in Jordan were all African American. Three. One was 46. Now, the other's 24, the other, I think, 22 or 23, young persons. But all three of those persons, it shocked, I think, Black America yesterday when they saw the photos and the names released of those three soldiers killed, all three of them African-Americans. Uh, there are a number of issues there that I want to unpack with Douglas Brinkley. He is the nation's preeminent presidential historian, and you listen to him right now, and I'm glad about it, on Tavis Smiley.
1: This is getting good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley continues when we come, when come forward, forward. forward.
0: More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You tuned in to Tavis Smiley. You tuned in to Tavis Smiley and Douglas Brinkley, the preeminent presidential historian, uh, who I am honored to have uh, in this studio. Uh, we were just talking um, before that break, uh, Douglas Brinkley, about um, uh, well, you were talking about Trump. Let me finish. Let me allow you to finish your Trump point. I want to get to this, this wider war that we're getting pulled into. I think, but finish your point about Trump.
1: Well, Trump's still dominating the news cycle. I mean, and it's a question of, of whether he survives this or not. But it's clear to me he's going to be the Republican nominee, although Nikki Haley is scoring some points on him. He, she's become an irritant. Uh, we'll know for sure after the South Carolina primary, that's Nikki Haley's home state. So if uh, Trump beats her there, it seems to me that it's a— uh, a foregone conclusion that Trump will be the the uh, Republican nominee and then there'll be some talk of who's his running mate and they're floating about seven different women.
0: Yeah. They, it, from what I've seen, the data suggests that she, ain't, she didn't have a chance. She ain't doing so well in South Carolina. Every, I, I've not seen one article that says that she has a real shot even in her home state. And of course, we all know that the senator from that state, Tim Scott, endorsed uh, Donald Trump. Um, so it would be, I think, a pretty pretty uh, debilitating embarrassment if she gets spanked by Trump in her home state, which appears to be what's about to happen.
1: I think that probably will happen. The question is how hard the spanking is in the sense that what does she do, Nikki Haley, after that? Is she Mm -hmm. so angry if they go after her husband or children will she try to pivot to this no labels party they're floating with Mm -hmm. would she take that uh would she just say look it's not my cycle i'm a good republican i don't see how she backs trump after all of this um but but you know a lot of them that people like jeb bush trump beat before and there they are groveling uh, to be on uh, team trump yeah they all do
0: that don't they um it was just it was funny for me for for me of, of all of them it was funniest for me To see DeSantis start to go. That was the funny part to me. I mean, I don't know how Nikki Haley comes back because she's hit him so hard. And the thing is, it's not like her her punches have, have slowed since Iowa and since New Hampshire. She's going in harder even. Uh, but you know, we shall see.
1: I think by mid-March, the no labels are supposed to decide if they're running a candidate. And right. if they do, uh, people like Liz Cheney or Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. Chris Christie are all very attractive names, uh, um, uh, to get on ballots and to, to, you know, fundraise. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned
0: also, I'm going to, I'm going to get to these soldiers who were killed, these black soldiers who were killed in Jordan. Trust me, cause I got some commentary about that. I want to take your temperature on that as well. Um, but you were talking about the independent candidates i mentioned you that Cornell west was here not long ago you know he's been here a number of times uh, 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 uh dean phillips is on the way a democrat running against uh, joe biden uh, rfk we're working on a date with him uh, we've already talked to marianne williamson jill stein will be here so we're talking to all the independents giving them an opportunity to be heard uh what's your sense of how this independent thing is going to play in this particular election
1: Occasionally in American history, these third-party movements matter. The most famous was 1912, when ex-president Theodore Roosevelt uh, created a bull moose party, just cut the Republican Party in two. He came in second. He didn't win, but he defeated the sitting president, William Howard Taft. In 1948, people thought Harry Truman wouldn't be able to win, not because Dewey was so strong, but because Strom Thurmond over segregation, because, uh, Truman integrated the armed forces, the army, uh, the southern whites were so angry that Dick, Dixiecrat Strom Thurmond created a third party. Mm-hmm. And then the progressive Henry Wallace, former vice president for FDR. With Eleanor Roosevelt at a side created a third party. So the Democratic Party seemed to have chunks of it disappearing. But Truman won in in 48. But then we have to remember 69. George Wallace played a a big role. I mean in in the 68 election with Nixon getting sworn in in 69. 69. And most famously, closer to our lifetime, Tavis, you know, Ross Perot mm-hmm. getting 19 percent of the vote in 1992. I'm not clear whether Clinton would have won if Perot wasn't in the mix. He may have. We never know. That becomes mm-hmm. what if stuff. Mm-hmm. But they matter. Mm-hmm. And in this time, when there's really a lot of buyer's remorse out there, or disenchantment with both Biden and Trump, this this pool of uh, third party people are going to put some points on the board.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, somebody in my lobby um, earlier, and they saw. Um, I'm not even sure Douglas saw because he came in a different door today. But if you walked in, the, if you'd come through the front door and not the back door, like black folks used to have to do, <laughs> you're a white guy. You should always come through the front door, Douglas. You always should come through the front door. But Douglas came through the back door today into our building and into our studio. So he didn't come to the front door. He did not see his name on our welcome oh, board. But... So when you leave, you got to see your name oh, on good the welcome man, board. I will. So I, I'm only raising that because somebody was in in our lobby today and they saw your name on the welcome board and i happened to be walking through and they said mr smiley i said yes they said, is this the douglas brinkley coming into your studio i said i only know one (laughs) uh so he is the douglas brinkley the preeminent presidential historian of our times and i'm honored to have him live in studio with us Uh, and as much as i love him and i always agree with him because he knows his stuff so well i want to push back on one thing you've said I wrote an op ed uh, about this. I haven't I haven't uh, sent it out yet for publication, but I, it's it's in my computer. I'm doing some some tweaks on it. But I, I, I am I'm getting troubled by I saw a big piece a few weeks ago that you saw in The New York Times uh, about the way that the Biden team is trying to crush these third party candidates. Um, Cornel West, I mentioned, was here not long ago and people have asked me and I asked him, of course. Why did you not run inside the Democratic Party? Even his friends at the Progressive Nation magazine, Katrina Vanden Heuvel and others, uh, Bhaskar Sankara, a lot of other people have have asked me and said to me on this program, we wish that Cornell Dr. West had run inside the party. Uh, we don't like the fact he's running outside because he could have challenged Biden. We think more from the inside. Well, if Doc were here and he's been here, he would have said to you, he would he would say to you, he knew given what they did to Bernie, they would crush him. The Democratic Party apparatus would have crushed them trying to run on the inside. So there's a reason that RFK is running outside. Cornel West is running outside. Uh, Others are running, Marion Williamson, others are running outside. Because they know the party apparatus would crush them trying to go up against sitting president. Look at Dean Phillips. He's barely getting any traction because you're running against the sitting president. Last time that happened, as you know, was Ted Kennedy, Jimmy Carter. That was a bloodbath. So people understand that. What am I getting at? What I'm getting at is that people continue to see these independent candidates as spoilers. And you use that word spoiler. And I know what we mean when we say that. But I wonder whether or not calling them spoilers is giving short uh, short thrift to their um, not just right to run, but the fact that people, to your earlier point about young folk, are disappointed in these two choices. And I wonder whether or not we really can call them spoilers or have we had a moment in American history where people want other choices. That doesn't make
1: you a spoiler, does it? No, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'll take back using the words. No, no, no. I'm just asking. No, you know, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, you know, you're making a good point. I just think we've used the word spoiler because it is just, you know, Lincoln ostensibly won in mm-hmm. 1860 as a Republican, which was an upstart party. Mm-hmm. But um, it's hard in America if you're not one of the two major party candidates for the reasons you outlined just in the Democratic Party. It's brutal. It's like a – it's like a a, a powers a, a block, mm-hmm. and they do not. They decided they didn't want anybody running against Biden. Mm-hmm. Period. Exactly. And they will they will cut you off, they, they make your you. life miserable. That's right. <laughs> crush, in ways that nobody even imagines. Exactly. So I'm. So what what's the what's the dangers here? Um, I think the word spoiler gets used because you know can Bobby Kennedy win mm-hmm. or can he get fifteen percent? And if he gets fifteen percent, that amount. Even a 15% of the vote that'll be coming out of Biden, some of that, Mm -hmm. and suddenly Trump wins, Mm -hmm. and people say, My God, if Kennedy didn't run. You know, he gave it to the other guy. And that's the danger you play. Mm-hmm. You're, even, I mean, I think it's the Ralph, uh, Ralph, Nader, Ralph Nader problem sure, in Florida. Sure, sure. You know, dangling. If he wasn't, didn't run there. I've never held that against Ralph Nader. Yeah, yeah. Nader's a hero of mine. Yeah, I yeah. love Ralph. See, but so, so I'm so, so cool my, with it. See, my, thing, my thing
0: is these candidates obviously don't own these voters. People have a right to self-determination. And if they're disappointed in their choices and they want another choice and they choose somebody else, they ought not be called spoilers because they received millions of votes. And the persons who voted for them ought not be diminished in any way or derided or disenfranchised or or dogged out because they didn't like their choices and they went another way. I just think the frame that the mainstream media puts us in, particularly in a moment, here's, here's my point. You can't have it both ways. You can't tell me, as everybody's telling me, that nobody likes these two choices, and then demonize anybody else for running. Does that make sense? Oh,
1: of course. I wouldn't yeah. demonize now, I'm not saying you're doing that. No, I'm just saying the mainstream media. might be media. another yeah. word. I mean, yeah. maybe I think the word might be they're challengers of the system mm-hmm. is the phrase. These sure. are people that are willing to step up bravely in the tradition of our country and challenge the That's the, the, the American system. way. Yeah, that yeah. they seem as... as uh, as you know, corrupt, and I do think uh, now Bobby Kennedy Jr. I, I hope he's on your show. I've known him forever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he is one smart, tough guy. Mm-hmm. And um, if, as he hasn't made the inroads in a black America yet, mm-hmm. but wait till he starts really going into cities, into black community in a very real way. You know, his numbers are, could very easily grow mm-hmm. in that realm. And cornell West is one of the great intellectuals of our time. Mm-hmm. Look. There are a lot of, you know, I just read a book about Dick Gregory who ran for president back Mm -hmm. in the 60s. Cornell's a historic figure. We're going to be talking about him 100 (laughs) years from now, you know, Uh, whether he gets 4 percent or 3 Mm percent. But Cornell West has become a a lightning rod more and more in the state of Michigan because Mm -hmm. with the war – uh, Israel and Gaza uh, and the fact that Dearborn uh, and, and other areas but mm-hmm. particularly Dearborn's like you know 85 uh, percent Arab American mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of unhappiness in the state yeah. of Michigan with what's going on in the war and Cornell's talking a, a, a truth that he sees and is attracting voters
0: yeah you got folk like David Axelrod uh, saying publicly that President Biden needs to step aside. And let somebody else run. I mean, this is Axelrod who ran Obama's campaign. Axelrod was involved in getting Obama, getting Biden on the ticket with Obama. And this guy um, is uh, saying publicly that he thinks Biden ought to step aside. Again, my point, and I'll move off of this, my point is that you can't have people of the stature of Axelrod saying that Biden essentially is the wrong choice at this time and then get mad at voters for choosing somebody other than biden and then if biden is uh, sadly regrettably to lose to a guy named donald trump then you blame the other guys who got votes well no no no. hold up you're the one who said that biden was the wrong guy so there are people who bought that message david axelrod they voted for somebody else don't crush cornell west and i've seen axelrod talk out of both sides of his mouth he wants biden to step aside we didn't want Cornel West running. See, you, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that logic. But I digress on that point. Um, I w- I want to pivot back to uh, what you uh, raised earlier in terms of this laundry list of things that are going to impact whatever does, in fact, happen in November. One of the things, Douglas, on your list um, was this war in the Middle East. Um, there's a potential now that this thing widens because three American soldiers were killed over the weekend in Jordan. Uh, we are told that they were killed by an Iran-backed militia. President Biden, as you expect, has said very forcefully, you're the presidential historian. They always do this. We will respond in a manner of our own choosing at our own time. But trust and believe we will respond and it will be swift, certain and severe. They say the same thing as they should every time uh, American personnel are killed. But here's the here's the rub on this one. Uh, The three soldiers killed in this drone attack. Uh, And there was a mistake made by our own military that allowed these persons to get killed. Here's the, here's as I understand it, as as best I can explain it, uh, as somebody once said to me, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. (laughs) So there were two drones. Uh, There was one drone coming into this encampment, this U.S. military encampment, and another drone that they had sent out. And somehow there was a mix up in these drones, what was coming, what was going, and they didn't put up the defense shield fast enough to stop the drone that was incoming. That they were confused about from actually landing and it landed and it killed three soldiers but those three soldiers who were killed identified yesterday sergeant william rivers 46 of carrollton georgia specialist kenny sanders 24 of waycross georgia and specialist brianna moffett 23 of savannah georgia according to the defense department three soldiers killed 46 24 23 all black one black male and two black females Now, here's the irony for me, Douglas Brinkley. Most of our listeners, certainly, um, not all, but many of them are disturbed by the way the Biden administration is handling this. You've seen it. There's a big story in the New York Times on Sunday you saw about these hundreds of black churches who are pressing Biden for a ceasefire. So black people are Christians on the one hand. On the other hand, we understand Uh, And empathize with the Palestinian people because we understand suffering and disenfranchisement more than anybody, as well as anybody. And so the irony is that we don't even want to be in this mess. And we think the president is mishandling it. And we want a ceasefire. And then you tell me that the first three soldiers who were killed just happened to be African-American?
1: Well, and My goodness. And, you know, your heart... Just goes out to um, the families of the three and you got to get to watch them on TV, read the stories, young people, all pure future ahead of them, yeah. all gone. But the fact that they are um, out of black America and what does that mean in, in, in particularly of black America mm-hmm. right now? Uh, because, as you're pointing out, um, it is not a particularly po- popular war with with um, a black community. Because they feel um, that a sympathy of sorts for people that they feel are disenfranchised, period. And um, yet... Black communities, churches have been there to to criticize what Gaza did—the killing of October seventh. Mm-hmm. No this question, this no up. question. So it's um, it's, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but the large point here we're making is Biden's got a tough job. I mm-hmm. mean, on one hand, Israel is our closest ally; right. he has to double, triple down and support it. On the other hand, he's hemorrhaging with um, so young people and Black America and other groups because of his handling of the uh, the fact that it's going on and on and on. Yeah. And the death tolls going from five thousand to ten thousand to twenty thousand and grows. Then the fact that the money's not coming into Ukraine right now, and mm-hmm. that he was behind that, and now with this situation, three dead Americans. But I, I have a feeling Biden administration doesn't want to get into war over yeah. there, or that the whole game will go unravel on him. So he's in a defensive crotch uh, right now and needs some um, crouch and and, and needs some um, needs. Um, you know, funding from a Congress yeah. that's not not offering it very very easily. I
0: just don't think that three these three dead black soldiers helps him at all with black people, No. and it certainly doesn't help him with young with young black people. Those young voters you spoke of earlier, they're not going to feel this at all. And you're right; it's a tough choice. I'm glad I'm not him, but I didn't ask me president. Let, he did. Let
1: me ask you, Tab. Ask me a question. Oh. I'll answer. You. Give me the question. Okay. I'll answer when we come forward. Um, what could do you think Bobby Kennedy or or, or Cornell Wells do? to attract younger voters more than they have.
0: i give you my thoughts on that when we come forward. It's funny. The presidential historian is now asking me questions, <laughs> but I'll do my best to, to keep up with him. His name is Douglas Brinkley. He's on Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Helping to, Helping make, you to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Let me take a stab at uh, the question that Douglas Brinkley asked me moments ago, and then I want to ask him more questions in the time that we have between now and the top of the hour. And I'm glad to have him for the full hour. In case you've just tuned in, he is one of our nation's premier presidential historians. Uh, Just an honor to have him in this studio, Douglas Brinkley. Uh, His new book is called Silent Spring Revolution. John F. Kennedy, Rachel Carson, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, and The Great Environmental Awakening. I suspect the name you probably least know in that list is Rachel Carson. So we'll let uh, Douglas Brinkley explain who Rachel, uh, Rachel Carson is in, in relationship to Kennedy and Johnson and Nixon uh, and the environment. We'll talk about that. Um, but you asked me a question about uh, Bobby Kennedy and, and, uh, and, and Cornel West. I, I think that there are two places they can make inroads um, that would uh, challenge this whole framework and process. And it's this, this not rocket science. Uh, you've, we've kind of talked about it already. One is with young people. Um, these young people are particularly disenfranchised, with uh, feel disenfranchised and disappointed, with, obviously in both Biden and Trump. And here's where I think Cornel West really has an opportunity. Um, he is so loved on college campuses. I mean, he's been a professor, of course, for you know, 40 years. Uh, I don't. I mean, he literally, I think, has spoken at every university in this country. I mean, he's always invited to speak at college campuses. So when he starts hitting those campuses, um, I think um, uh, you know Bernie Sanders did it better than anybody, and I'm not suggesting that Cornel West can do what Bernie Sanders did, but I know that his fundraising is ticking up. He has four young folk running his campaign, uh, a, a, a four-person team. They're putting him in all the right places, and I think on the college campus circuit uh, with young people, um, Cornel West can have an inroad. I think Bobby Kennedy may do some of that as well. And the, and, and the other, of course, is with these dis- – I mean, it's common sense to me if you're running in a race like this you want to appeal to those disaffected communities those 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 communities happen to be oftentimes people of color. To your brilliant point earlier in Michigan, where Cornell West is, you know, spending a lot of time because that Arab community is significant in their vote. They can swing that state in Michigan. We know what happened in Michigan when Hillary Trump, Hillary Hillary and Trump were running against each other. She didn't campaign then in the, in the last days. Trump pulls out Michigan. People still are mad at Hillary for not going back to Michigan. So Michigan's going to be in play this time around. So I think, long story short, young people and disaffected communities that would be my response what's your question what's your answer to your own question
1: yeah i agree with that completely and it's about how many states you can get on the ballot mm-hmm. can cornell west get into 20 states 30 40 uh to how many states will bobby kennedy jr be on or jill stein or mm-hmm. you know the or, or williamson and that's tough because you can't how do you win the presidency if you can't get on all the ballots right. with that said mm-hmm. Tavis, you know, Lincoln wasn't on the ballot in 1860 in most of the southern states. He didn't want even yeah. on the ballot to vote for it. But mm-hmm. I would think it's a, I would call it a third party success. Let's just say uh, if Cornel West can get himself on 30 um, states, that yeah. would be a yeah. success. Yeah.
0: How would you this is an impossible question uh, to ask in real time. Um, but as we all know, it's the history that you historians write that they'll be reading years from now. How do you think history is going to regard, and I put that in air quotes, how is it going to regard Donald Trump? How is history going to wrap its brain around who this guy was, how he showed up, how he did what he did? I mean, how is history going to, how, how are you historians going to write about Donald
1: Trump? Well, he, we, first off, you make the poll, you know, we, we rank presidents, mm-hmm. and he was at the very bottom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, either the bottom or, you know, next to um, James Buchanan, the mm-hmm. president before the Civil War. But, Everybody thought January 6th was, that's the end of it. This Mm -hmm. guy's going down as just a conspiratorial... Um, you know, bomb thrower who somehow slipped into the presidency. One part Huey Long, one part, you know, George Wallace. A little Ross Pro sprinkled in, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the fact that he's been able to uh, looks like procure the Republican nomination a second time uh, is is a little shocking to me. Uh, the question is, to to simplify, it, are we living in the age of Trump? Mm-hmm. Will history go back and say this is the, when Trump dominated, or? is biden suddenly the age of biden like biden quiet biden mm-hmm. unexpected biden beats trump two times mm-hmm. stops that movement in its place and you know you move on to another day mm-hmm. i always uh avoid saying stakes are high in any presidential yeah. election but man 2024 it because trump is uh, and Trumpism is about destroying the system, meaning it's going after to attack the yeah. Justice Department, CIA, State Department, uh, uh, on and on and on. I mean, in, in it's full bore war. Yeah.
0: How, how how will you historians um, write about what his presence, his advent, did to the presidency? Uh, what damage did he do to the presidency? And and how will you write about his impact on the
1: democracy? It, you know, as of now, he's done great damage to the institution of the presidency. Mm-hmm. There's the president's club. Mm-hmm. Put them all in it. Even Nixon, Reagan, all everybody's in the president's club. And then there's on an island to himself, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I see Trump as playing on it. You know, we talk about presidents, but we create outlaw figures in American life. I mean, and he, you know, whether it's um, uh, Jesse James or Billy the Kid or, you know, um, Um, Al Capone or, you know, you go to places in white America, like uh, where you find vendors in Gatlinburg, Tennessee or Tombstone, Arizona, selling Mm T-shirts on all these, you know, even Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis stuff. Mm -hmm. And Trump, Trump has is that's his following. He's in a camp of people that uh, are resentful that the South lost the civil war uh trump represents the disenfranchisement of jobs being outsourced mm-hmm. um but i i what's troubling to me is the core message of him is of his authoritarianism is um he's anti-people of color in mm-hmm. my view mm-hmm. he it's not whistle it's not dog whistles on mm-hmm. this it's just overt uh, commentary and recently doing blood of, you know, lines that you don't even want to say that Hitler had used but then say it's not really Hitler, but his ex-wife said he had read Hitler's speeches at his bedside. Who needs to be put through all this stuff? And he's somebody who, unlike Cornell West, who's the doctor, mm-hmm. uh, the professor, who's read and written everything. Uh, Donald Trump's not a reader or a deep thinker like that. Mm-hmm. So he's a gut player. Uh, and uh, But it tells us we, we, we've allowed our entertainment values of reality TV – uh, become main game theater in this country.
0: I was showing um, showing Douglas Brinkley a moment ago. Um, uh, Cornell West new uh, his new uh, his new merch. He's got merch out now. He's got swag, and the one that I love the most is a, a really cool photo of him. And the, the poster says, "America needs a doctor." <laughs> It, it's pretty cool. And I, it's I classic. Just, I was just a, it. I
1: immediately saw it as <laughs> as the nerd kid growing up collecting presidential buttons yeah. and memorabilia. Yeah. I immediately thought, "Wow, that thing's uh, that's a classic look." Let me ask. Let me ask one quick question. I got about
0: two minutes left here, and then we'll continue in the rest of our conversation talking about your book. Um, you mentioned Lincoln a couple times here. Lincoln, of course, is doing his his role, playing his uh, playing his part to save the Union. Biden is arguing now essentially that he's running to save the democracy. Is that the right slogan? I mean, is that the right frame? Is that the right?
1: I think it's an okay speech. Yeah, yeah. And he gave it at Valley Forge, and he's kind of repeated that a lot. But I don't think that's going to get you over the finish line. People want bread and butter issues. They want to feel the economy is doing better. They want to feel that America's uh, ha- is on a po- uh, on a, a right trajectory. They want to try to have peace. there. Yeah. they don't want this sense of America everywhere in the world. While a lot of our infrastructure in our own country is crumbling.
0: Yep, fair enough. Um, when we come forward, we'll spend the rest of our time between now and the top of the hour talking about Douglas Brinkley's new book. It's called *Silent Spring Revolution*. John F. Kennedy, Rachel Carson. Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon and the Great Environmental Awakening. Who was Rachel Carson? Well, we'll tell you when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis, Tavis, Tavis Smiley. Night number 45 on the heavy 100 list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Yeah, yeah.
1: Made fresh daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley.
0: Tavis Smiley and presidential historian Douglas Brinkley, who I am honored to have in studio. His new book is called Silent Spring Revolution. John F. Kennedy, Rachel Carson, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, and the Great Environmental Awakening. Watching my time, which is getting away from me. Tell me why this book and why now,
1: Douglas Brinkley. Um, you know, we had 50 years ago that uh, passed the Endangered Species Act Statement Animals. You know what it passed the Senate by? 92 to nothing. mm the cat used to be bipartisan, with uh, the Environmental Protection Agency was created in 1970, and then the Black Caucus is created in 1971. And the Black Caucus, particularly Congressman Dullams of California, mm-hmm. really gave birth to this, the idea of environmental justice uh, and what is environmental racism, and uh, looking at how the toxic debris of our industrial society is often placed in in, in, in horrible ways. In poor neighborhoods, um, and it, it's been deeply disproportionate. In my, in my book, I, I write about pioneers of environmental justice being people like Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, in California, uh, that were working the agricultural fields but getting sprayed, and their children mm-hmm. sick from uh, um, you know all sorts of pesticides. Andy Young and John Lewis both told me in interviews to uh, always look at the Montgomery bus boycott of December 1st, 1955. That the reason people didn't want to sit in the back of the bus, it was a you know ninety five mm-hmm. degrees in, and the the diesel fumes mm-hmm. of those that era's buses mm-hmm. of the fifties would make you sick mm. in the back. So this book really is looking at the history of the of how do you take old style saving of Theodore Roosevelt national parks, monuments, state parks, recreation, clean beaches. And how it gets married to public health. Mm -hmm. And Rachel Carson's book in 1962 was a catalyst because she told everybody, your kid could be getting sick playing in the backyard. They are dumping all sorts of of toxins into the environment, in the air, water, land, that you can get sick swimming, that Mm -hmm. if you eat a fish, it has mercury in it. And so in that 60, 1960s and what I call long 70s, you have things like the Santa Barbara oil spill or uh, Lake Erie being declared dead, you know. Um, and the uh, efforts that started getting to the first slogan of it used to be conservation. It becomes mm-hmm. environment. 1967 environmental defense funds sue the bastards. Mm-hmm. Take environmental lawsuits against polluters and go after them. And then, to be fair, I mean, I was surprised first term Nixon, his first guy, EPA Republican William Ruckel's house, he was enforcing things. He mm-hmm. was busting real polluters. But since then, so it's about a, two years they did that, mm-hmm. people have found ways to move around it. And, and now, uh, you know, whether you look at Cancer Alley in Louisiana mm-hmm. or you look at, at uh, you know, toxic dump waste sites outside of Chicago. I mean, it's a horrific legacy. Flint, Michigan's are happening all over. Over the place sure. that one just happened a- be the one of the Jackson, moment that makes it Jackson, 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 Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, they're they're yeah. long list right now.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Ron Dellums' name. It's a name we don't mention often enough around here. Uh, the late, great Ron Dellums, brilliant uh, Congressman out of, uh, out of Oakland, and the most dapper member of Congress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Ron Dellums. When we come forward, though, I was just reading a piece yesterday. I'm gonna get your take on. Uh, we bring this back full circle to, to Joe Biden. Um, I was reading a piece yesterday that uh, the environmentalists are a little upset with him. They don't think he's being as aggressive as he ought to be on his record on the environment. They think he's done some pretty good things on the environment. They think that part of what he ought to be leading with in this campaign is his work on climate justice. We'll talk about that uh, before we let him go. His name is Douglas Brinkley, and he's on Tavis Smiley. Seeking
1: the, Seeking the, the, truth. Truth. Speaking Speaking the truth. the truth. Speaking the truth. This is the Tavis, Tavis Smiley, Tavis Smiley show. show.
0: Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis, Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Douglas Brinkley, the presidential historian, who I'm uh, again delighted to have had this hour with, um, his book is called uh, "Silent Spring Revolution." <clears throat> that is "Silent Spring Revolution." John F. Kennedy, Rachel Carson, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, and the Great Environmental Awakening. Uh, this program is uh, heard across the country, based, of course, here in L.A. on my home station KBLA Talk fifteen eighty, and we just announced a major twelve month, two million dollar campaign that we are uh, uh, that we're just getting off the ground now. A robust campaign. Uh, to do four things, essentially, to, uh, to increase climate literacy, number one. Number two, to make sure the folk who are being harmed by these climate maladies get access to the resources that they need to help them. Number three, uh, that we include and involve voices of color in this climate conversation that have been left out. Number four, that we identify those persons doing the heavy lifting, persons of color doing the heavy lifting in this fight and expose them and let them be heard, give them an audience, give them a platform. Uh, we got a major outdoor media campaign. We've got conversations all year long. It's very, very robust. If you go to our website at KB KBLA 1580, KBLA 1580. You can read all about our um, uh, climate justice campaign for the entire year of 2024. And we're we're, we're humbled, um, frankly, to be at the epicenter of this. And we essentially assigned ourselves to lead in this fight. I'm doing a conversation later this week on Friday. With one of our affiliates, WURD in Philadelphia, I'm on their station talking about our work here in L.A. So we thank WURD for the opportunity to be heard on their program uh, this Friday uh, in the Philadelphia market. That said, I got three minutes left. I give it to you, uh, Douglas Brinkley. I was saying, I was reading an article yesterday that uh, the environmental uh, movement, the environmentalists are a little disappointed in the Biden administration. They think he's done more on climate. He's not bragging about. He ought to be leading with that in this campaign.
1: Well, you know, in my book, Silent Spring Revolution, I noticed that we were talking about climate change. John F. Kennedy got a memo about it. Lyndon Johnson mentioned it in 65. Famously, Daniel Patrick Moynihan wrote Nixon a memo saying, look, if this climate thing's real, goodbye, Miami, goodbye, New York. What happens mm-hmm. to y- Seattle's unknown. So our federal government's known about this for a while. So now we can rank presidents on climate. Mm. And, and and you know, to be fair, let's say since Bill Clinton on, we re- you mm-hmm. really can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden's been the best. Mm. Biden's been really d- done a lot on the issue of climate change. However, they mix message. A lot. So they folded their big climate initiative into the word infrastructure to get it passed. But then out of nowhere, they did things like opening up Alaska Arctic for drilling and get, loses one hunk of the mm-hmm. environmental crowd. They go nuts. Then they switch back on that. I would just go, if I were advising Joe Biden, go full bore on climate as a uh, existential threat, mm-hmm. climate um, justice as a main part of his issue. It'll connect to young people, it'll connect to people of color, it'll connect, get the progressives involved and start bragging about what he's done right uh, with his climate agenda instead of kind of nodding and winking it because mm-hmm. he wants to show that he's Pro um, yeah. oil and gas uh, um, drilling, meaning jobs. Yeah. Also, uh, that's great advice. Hopefully, the White
0: House is listening right now, and they'll pay attention to you. Uh, I, I, I can, I can tell you this. Douglas Brinkley, I happen to know this. Little Birdie told me uh, he's actually going to be in L.A. a lot uh, over the next uh, few months um, as a visiting professor uh, at USC. Uh, and I shouldn't have heard that because now that I know how close he is to me, USC <laughs> is literally just down the street from this studio. Now that I know a presidential historian of his stature is going to be in the LA area <clears throat> for the next few months teaching at USC, <clears throat> I'm going to do my best to get him back in here once again or twice more, uh, while he's in town. So, uh, you won't hear, uh, this is not the last you hear of Douglas Brinkley. If he's that close to me, trust me, uh, I'm going to reach out and try to get him in again. But his book is called Silent Spring Revolution, John F. Kennedy, Rachel Carson, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, and the Great Environmental Awakening. The timing of the book could not be more propitious. And I hope the president listens and takes his advice on how to campaign on these issues uh, around climate. Douglas Brinkley, I appreciate you. Love you, man. Thanks for coming in. We'll do it again. You got it. Good to have you here. Uh, We'll talk politics with Joshua Doss when we come forward on Tavis Smart.